And it's going to be a great Sunday. Make sure you come join us next week. There's a little promo for uh, our summer series that Pastor Bobby is going to be leading us through. Kicking us off right, learning how to hear God's voice. Uh, And in our day and time, I'm telling you, uh, we need to hear God's voice. Amen, Chapel? Uh, It's going to be a great Sunday, man. I'm so excited to be with you and to be able to share. My name is Anthony, and uh, it is a treat anytime uh, I get to lead you guys, whether it's our host teams or community groups or are here on stage on a Sunday. It is just really a treat to be able uh, to be a part of this house and to be able to be a part of everything that, that God is doing here in this house. Hey, can I brag on God for just a minute this morning? You give me just a few minutes. Can I brag on God? Okay, good, because I'm going to do it anyway, all right? Um, The end of last year, uh, my mom was diagnosed with lymphoma, and we went on this journey of the last six months or so of doctor's visits and uh, treatments and medicines and all the things, but most importantly, prayer and just petitioning God for him to move in her body and and on, on her behalf. And, you know, I think it's just incredible. Many of you guys prayed with us in that season. Uh, I know I shared uh, with our host teams, uh, and so many of you every week were so faithful just to ask, hey, what's going on? Give me the latest. And I just want to brag on God and say that we about two weeks ago went to her final appointment with her oncologist, and her oncologist said that there is no signs of cancer anywhere in her body, that she's completely free, she's completely whole. And um, even better than that, she's here with us this morning, and I'm so glad to have her with us this morning. Mom, you want to wave at everybody? You want to stand up and talk, say anything to anybody? No? You sure? Okay. Uh, Man, we have been just so blessed, and it's so good. I, I say that to encourage you this morning. If you're walking through a season that's difficult right now, God is with you in that season, all right? I say it. Go ahead. You can give God praise, all right? I say that to let you know that that God is not distant in our times of difficulty, in our seasons of, of, of uncomfort. God is with us even more closely, I believe, in those seasons. And uh, I let that encourage you this morning. Uh, there are other stories I could share. I know many of you have your own testimonies of God's faithfulness in your life, but that's super special to me and my family. Uh, she actually said she's coming to hear her favorite son preach this morning. I think that's what she said. Uh, so Tyler, you know, if you're watching or whatever, sorry, uh, she's here to see her favorite. She's actually going to stay both services, so she's going to get a double dose this morning. She said she was going to sit in a balcony. I said, you're not going to sit in a balcony. You're going to sit right up here so I can see you the whole time and make sure you're behaving, all right? So uh, it's really, really good to have you guys with me this morning. Hey, this morning, uh, you know, we could leave right now and go home. I think God's been so faithful to us uh, already this morning, but you're not so lucky, all right, guys? Uh, We're going to share this morning. I want to encourage you with a message called Counting the cost, counting the cost. Can we pray together and just ask God to move? Father, we are so, so honored, God, to be able to, um, to be in this house this morning, God, to be able to, to worship you, to be able to be encouraged by you and your presence here. And, and God, I just pray for us today, God, that, that we would leave here with some word from you, God, for our lives, with some word for you, from you for our families, God, with some word for you, God, that will, that will help us push through whatever season we find ourselves in, knowing that you're there, you're with us, God, that you love us, that you care about us. So, Father, thank you for being here this morning and speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Have you ever wanted something and then realized that the price that you needed to pay for that something was a little too much that you really just thought, yeah, like, I want it, but I don't want it that bad. Anybody else in the room? All right, so for the rest of us normal people, um, I've, I've been there many times. I'll see something that I want. I'll see a commercial 
on TV. You know, I'll see, and they try to make it, they try to be real sneaky, right? It's like 1995, but it's 55 payments of 1995. And you're like, I could do that, but I don't think I really want to go all in on that. I know many of us have been there. We, we've saw something that, that we liked, but the price was just a little too much. We didn't want to pay that. Or maybe we saw something that we liked, and we didn't care how much it cost. We were going to get that thing, right? Oh, come on. I know we've all done that before. Anybody ever had buyer's remorse? I've met multiple times, all right? You think, there is no way I can live my life without this one thing. So you go, and you get it. And what happens a week later? You're like, I really wish I did not buy that one thing because it was not worth it. Buyer's remorse. We've all been there. But we've all had these moments where we wanted something, but the cost maybe was too high. Or we maybe all had these moments where we wanted something, the cost was too high, and we got it, and we realized there, that we didn't have buyer's remorse. It really was worth the price that we paid to get that one thing. And, you know, this morning, I, I really wish that, that I could share with you some fun, encouraging, and, and fluffy message, but this message has been on my heart for the last few months. Actually, Nisi sang that song, that last song we sang maybe two or three months ago, and, and God started doing this work in my heart about counting the cost of following Jesus, about counting the cost of following hard after my Savior and realizing that, that it's not always easy, that there's a cost, there's a price that must be paid. And even though we want it to be easy, even though we try really hard to make it easy, and even though sometimes, even in church world, we make it look like it's really easy to follow Jesus, many of you know, many of you that have served Jesus for years and decades, you understand that there is a cost to following after our Savior. There's a deep, deep cost. And some of you, you've walked out and you've paid that price. Some of you are paying that price right now. You probably could preach this message better than me. But this morning, I just want to encourage you as we talk about counting the cost. As we open up our Bibles today, we're going to go in Mark 14, 3 through 9. We're going to be there first. And then we'll be in Mark 8. Mark 14, 3 through 9 says this. And this is the scripture that that song was birthed out of, that last song that we sang. It says, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table and a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment and pure nard, very costly. Everybody say costly. One more time. That sounded so good. Say costly. Very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her, but Jesus said, listen to Jesus' words. He says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always will have the poor with you. And, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Many biblical scholars believe that, that, that Mark was writing about Mary breaking her alabaster box. and the other Gospels, it mentions Mary in this specific scripture as well. But Mary came into the room, and like Pastor Marissa said, you can imagine her walking into that room, a room where she, she felt uncomfortable, a room where she really probably didn't belong. And as soon as she walked in the room, before she ever broke the box at Jesus' feet and anointed him, there was some tension in the room. She knew what she was about to do. It, it, it could go one of two ways. It could be really good or it could be really bad. She, she was willing to fight through that uncomfortableness and sit at his feet and break this costly box at the feet of Jesus and lay down everything right there at his feet. It's a beautiful picture of what Mary was willing to give to be in God's presence and to anoint him in that moment. You turn over in Mark chapter 8. Jesus actually says these words to his disciples and those that were, were gathered with him in Mark 8, 34 through 38. He says, and Jesus, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the, <clears throat> in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So, so what, is, what is Jesus trying to say here in this moment? to these people? What is he trying to communicate? And I think if, if you could sum up, sum up what I want to share with you in, in one sentence today, it would be this. And I think this is what Jesus was wanting to communicate to his disciples and the people in the crowd there that day. It is this, that Jesus wants to do more in you and through you than you think he does. But it's going to cost you more than you think it should. I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus wants to do more in you and through you, then you think he can. But it's going to cost you more than you think it should. There's a cost to following after Jesus. And I believe, and, and, and my, 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 own, my own issue is, is that the further we get away from the cross, my, my own concern is the further away we get from the cross, I feel like the more entitled we feel like we become in our Christian faith. And how many you know that's a dangerous place to be? The further we get away from the cross, the more entitled we feel like we become in our Christian faith. We feel like we are owed something instead of us being the ones that should owe God our everything. We're less willing to, to pay the price to follow after Jesus. Purity, holiness, and, and godly character are pushed aside for charisma, watered-down convictions, and, and futile faith. We've allowed many times the little foxes, like it says in Proverbs, to come in and spoil the vineyards of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've got to be really careful because the more we think we're owed something in our faith, I believe the further away we get from deeper relationship to God in our faith. The more we feel like God owes us something, the more we, we drift away from the true meaning of what it is to follow hard after Jesus. Because I think the true meaning of what it is to follow hard after Jesus is filled with days of sacrifice, of laying yourself down, and of letting your desires and your things go to take up that cross to follow hard after our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a deep cost to following after Jesus. And it's not preached about a lot. It's not talked about a lot. But those that are willing to pay the price to follow hard after Jesus Christ, they will be the ones that God uses in our current day and culture to bring a revival into this nation that we so desperately need. It's not going to be the ones that just show up and do their thing and then they're gone. It's going to be the ones that daily put their lives and their desires on the line so that God can use them in a powerful and impactful way. See, the, the enemy knows that, that we have this high ceiling just as much as God does. God looks at our lives and he sees a, a high ceiling for our impact for the kingdom. Higher than we see. The problem is, is he understands the cost it's going to take for us to get there. The enemy knows that high ceiling too. And if he can just keep us on that lower shelf relationship with God. Pastor preached a great message a few weeks ago about lower shelf and, and top shelf Christianity. If, 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 we, if he can just keep us on, if the enemy can keep us on the lower shelf, and if we can just do just enough, then I think he wins. Maybe he may not be able to take our salvation away from us. He may not be able to take our, our, our destiny away from us. It's still in there. But if he, can help us, if he can keep us living on the bottom shelf and not rise to that top shelf of what God has for us, then he wins. See, good is the enemy of the best. And the enemy just wants you to live a good Christian life, not your best, most impactful Christian life. you got to be willing to say, God, I lay it all down. And your best for me is not easy. Your best for me is, is very costly. And I have to be willing to lay that down at the feet of Jesus. We've got to be willing to lay it down. So, so what will it cost us to follow hard after Jesus? To truly live and love like Jesus, like we talk about so much around here at chapel. What, what is that cost? What is it? What does it look like? What are the sacrifice that will, sacrifices that, that may be asked for us? And to be honest with you, I don't have enough time 
on this Sunday to share every one of them, but I have a few that that really ha- God has been dealing with me and my heart about that I want to share with you guys today. We, we see from the life of Mary, and then I also want to talk a little bit about the life of Joseph. You can, you can read the, about the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50. And just, just a quick overview of the, the story of Joseph's life. If you don't know about Joseph, I challenge you this week in your time with the Lord, read Genesis 37 through 50. Take some time to go back and look at the life of Joseph and see how God used him, but see how great a cost he had to pay to see God's plan come to fruition in his own life. So Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel. He was one of 12 brothers who those 12 brothers would eventually form the foundation for the 12 tribes of Israel. He had one full brother. His name was Benjamin. One full brother that that his dad loved, his, his younger brother Benjamin. He also was his dad's favorite. Speaking of favorites, mom, uh, he also was his dad's favorite. He made him this coat of many, come on, coat of many, yeah, you guys have been to Sunday school, you know what I'm talking about. He had this coat of many colors, but his brothers were jealous of him. And they became even more jealous of him when Joseph had this dream. And basically, the interpretation of the dream was that his brothers and his parents would bow down before him one day. So you can imagine how that went with his brothers. There's already enough tension between siblings in the home, right? So when he told his brothers and his, and his dad that one day, hey, I had this dream. And one day, you guys are y'all, y'all going to bow down in front of me. And man, I, I don't understand it. I don't know what it's about. But, but one day, it's going to happen. So it made his brothers so upset that they decided, actually, they were going to kill him. I mean, there's one thing, like, to make your brothers mad, but for them to want to kill you, like, he must have really, really had it out for his brother. They must have really had it out for him. But one of the brothers talked them out of it. They said, hey, why don't, instead of killing him, like, like we, could, we could just throw him in a pit. <laughs> I don't know if they were just going to leave him there and let him die in the pit. I don't know how it's going to go. But as he was in the pit, his brothers come up with another crazy solution. They said, hey, We've got, we've got our brother here. Why don't, instead of just leaving him in this pit, why don't we get some money for him and we'll sell him. We'll sell him into slavery. So there was a caravan coming by. They talked to the people and they sold Joseph into slavery at the age of 17. 17. I was sharing the story of Joseph with Eli yesterday. We were coming back from Memphis and And he knew a good chunk of it. He did not know that Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery. A teenager sold into slavery. But Joseph was gifted. If you read the story of Joseph, you'll realize how gifted he was. He was gifted with leadership. He was also gifted. He could interpret dreams and visions. But he was deeply and greatly gifted with leadership. So he was sold into slavery to Potiphar. And he does so well in the home of Potiphar that, that basically Potiphar just puts him in charge of everything. He says, hey, I don't want to do it. Joseph, you're in charge. You take care of it. You do what you got to do to make things happen around here. And he rises to this place in Potiphar's home. But then Potiphar's wife makes some false accusations against Joseph. And because of those false accusations against Joseph, Joseph ends up being put into the prison, into the dungeon. Now, we're not talking about American prison here at Chapel. We're talking about third world, no good, like the pit prison. He goes to prison. Many, it's not, it's not exactly clear in God's word how long he went to prison. Many, many biblical scholars believe he was there between seven and ten years. Seven and ten years in prison for something he was wrongly accused of. Can you put yourself in the mind of Joseph and what he's thinking? God had given him this dream. His brothers are going to bow down before him. He shares the dream. Now, Joseph wasn't perfect. I don't have time to go into all the the details about his story, but but he's in this pit. He's he's in the prison. Can you imagine his first few days there? He's been falsely accused. I can imagine that Joseph probably was questioning everything that God had ever shared him about what he wanted to do through his life. Why do, I, why do I tell you that this morning? I want you to know, like, if you're questioning, some of the greats in God's word have also questioned. If you're questioning the cost 
of what it means to follow after Jesus, you're in good company. Because most everyone that ever achieved anything great for the kingdom went through seasons where they wondered if God really shared that with them or if they just made it up in their own mind. But Joseph is in this prison, but he doesn't sulk. He doesn't get down. Maybe he had a, a few days where he was really worried. He was really worried about what was going on. But he, he, he doesn't get down too long. He ends up being able to work in the prison. And because of his great leadership gifting, he's able to rise in leadership even among those in the prison and is, is put in charge of most of the prison as well. He has two friends come to him, a, a, a baker and a cupbearer, and, and they end up being thrown in prison They end up having dreams. And Joseph, he has this gift of being able to interpret dreams. He interprets their dreams. They go on, and and his interpretation is spot on. One of those guys ends up, the cupbearer ends up being next to Pharaoh, close to Pharaoh. And he says, hey, listen, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. Remember, I'm falsely imprisoned. I'm here. I promise, stick with me. We're going to make some sense of this in a minute. You've got to understand this backstory. Don't forget about me. So the, the cupbearer is like, yeah, you got it. I won't forget about you. See ya. Two years passes by. Guess what? His friend, the cupbearer, forgets about him. Can you imagine, Joseph, the cost of a dream that God had given him? Paying a cost, a deep cost for this dream. Feels like he's forgotten. Feels like he's alone. But all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. And the cupbearer, after two years, remembers, hey, there was this, there was this guy in prison. He interpreted my dream. His name's, his name's Joseph. Maybe we should get him to see if he can interpret this dream because nobody else could. They bring Joseph to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him the dreams that he's had. Joseph interprets the dream, both the dreams, and rises in power in in the land of Egypt. He's able to oversee the economic success of Egypt during seven years of famine because of the preparation and the leadership he displayed in the previous seven years of plenty. And Joseph finds himself in this prominent position And he ends up seeing the fulfillment of God's plan for his life. He ended up seeing his brothers and his family come to him and bow down before him. And and the dream that God had given him play out in his own life. He saw the fulfillment of that plan. But listen to me, chapel. The cost was great. The cost was great. So the rest of this morning, we're just going to look at a few ways that that Joseph sacrificed, and we're going to mention Mary as well, how they sacrificed and paid the price to follow hard after their Savior, their Lord, and have kingdom impact. Fun message, right? Okay, great. The cost. What is it going to cost you? It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you time. What's another word I could use? It's going to cost you your patience. Will you be patient with the Lord? Will you be patient with him and his plan on your life? He may give you a dream. He may give you a word. He may give you a desire. But it's going to cost you time and patience. Will you just be patient with the Lord, friends? Will you just be patient with him? Trusting that he's still moving and working behind the scenes, even when you feel like it should have been done years ago. Will you be patient with him? Because it's going to take patience. A call for patience does not sell well in a society of of convenience and immediate gratification. A call for patience does not sell well in a society of convenience and immediate gratification. But I believe Joseph would tell you it's going to take patience. It's going to take time. It may not happen on your timetable, but your timetable is not the same timetable as God's timetable. It may happen, but it may not happen in your time, but it will happen in God's time. Uh, My word for this year, some of you guys have heard me, and i I, got to move here. My word for this year, uh, and you all heard me share this at the beginning of the year, is super bloom. What in the world is super bloom? You've lost your mind, Anthony Martin. Super bloom is this phenomenon. That happens in the deserts out west in California and Arizona. And about once every decade, and there's no way to exactly know exactly what's going to happen, but about once every, there's no way to know exactly when it's going to happen, but about once every decade, 
there is this beautiful thing that happens called superbloom. And the deserts out west that are barren and dry and have nothing around, with just the right amount of water and the right amount of wind and the right amount of nourishment, the seeds that have been placed in the desert, barren, and dry land begin to sprout up and bloom. And you take a, 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 a barren desert land that looks awful, that's just nothing. And in this year of super bloom, there are these beautiful flowers and colors that come bursting up out of the ground. I've got a few pictures to show you, actually. The, 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 the top picture here is what this landscape looks like normally. But during the year of the super bloom, look at the colors and the beauty of this same land. It's, a, it's an amazing phenomenon that happens. And people travel from all over the world when it does happen. You know, there's a few more pictures, I think, that I have up there. And when it's just beginning, there's just a few flowers that will spring up. Look at this. I love this, man. It's out of nowhere, like just these beautiful flowers come up. There's a few more pictures, I believe. It's just incredible that this this land that has nothing, all of a sudden, almost overnight, is filled with, with color and beauty. And it's incredible. There's a couple more pictures. Look at these. Isn't that not beautiful? Incredible. I want to encourage you this morning, Chapel, that some of you, you've been praying prayers for a long time. And the land has seemed very barren. Seems like nothing is happening in your life. And you've planted these seeds of prayer. You've planted these seeds of fasting. You've planted these seeds of faithfulness. Come on, somebody. You've planted these seeds of saying, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm trusting you, God. And you don't know when it's going to happen. But let me encourage you. I believe in my prayer this year for my life for chapel is that God will supernaturally sprout up the prayers and the, the things that we have placed in the ground and they will sprout up and we will see him move in a way this year, 2023, that we've never seen him move ever before. I believe it will happen. I believe we're, we're seeing the beginning of that. I believe we're seeing the beginning of that. But it will take time and patience. Joseph had decades pass between his dream and his dream becoming a reality. When it is God's time, hear me, chapel, when it is God's time, it will feel natural and unforced. You have two options. You can trust God with what he's spoken to you and try and make it happen, or you can trust God with what he's spoken to you and allow him to let it happen. You got to choose to just trust him and let it happen. And I know it's frustrating I know some of you, I know what you're thinking. You don't know my story, Anthony. You don't know what I've been through. You don't, you don't know what I'm, I'm working through. You're right, I don't. But we serve a God, and I know who he does. And he knows the right time. He knows the right season. He'll make it happen in his own time. When it's God's time, it'll feel natural and unforced. It will come easy in God's time. Are you willing to be patient and wait on God's timing? Don't force it. Are you willing to be patient and wait on God's timing? Following Jesus will cost you your pride. He, following Jesus will cost you your pride. You know, the, the center of pride is what? I. Following Jesus will cost you your pride. Pride is all about me and what I want. But can I lovingly just share something with you this morning? No matter what current church culture is trying to tell us, no matter what our current culture is trying to tell us, living for Jesus is not about you. It's all about him. And so many times we've got it inverted and we feel like, yeah, I'm going to live for Jesus and look at what I can get. Look at what I can do. Look at what, that, that is, that's the wrong foundation. Living for Jesus is not about you. Living for Jesus is about him and seeing his kingdom come, his will be done. Now, does that mean he can use you? Certainly. But does that mean that's your focus in serving him? No, not at all. Living for Jesus will cost you your pride. And that, that's not an easy one to lay down for some of us. Because some of us, we really like feeling important. <laughs> some of us, we really like feeling 
like we are in that number one chair. But living while Jesus will cost you your pride. And I've really been wrestling with this in my own personal times with the Lord lately because I think we must be willing and even seek to be an unknown for the cause of Christ. I believe the people that make the most kingdom impact, I believe when we get to heaven and we see the people that have made the most kingdom impact, it will be filled with millions of people that we have no idea who they are. And I think the ones that we know the most, we may be surprised about how much their kingdom impact really was. It's the people in the pews, not on the platform, that make the most impact for the kingdom. It's the people that you, you guys, you, when you go to work, when you do your thing, when you brush shoulders with people in the community, on the ball field, uh, at the dance recital, whatever, when you shine a light for him, you make an impact for him. But we have to be willing to say, God, I want to do this. And it doesn't matter about my name or me. It matters about you. As Christians, we must daily take up our cross. We must daily check our ego at the door to work to accomplish something greater than we could ever achieve on our own. We must be willing to be an unknown for the cause of Christ. We may never be great. We may may never be known outside of our circle of friends, but may we, like Mary, do what we can. Amen, chapel? May we, like Mary, do what we can. Maybe you don't have a big platform. That's okay. Actually, I think God prefers it that way. Maybe you're not a social media influencer. <laughs> Maybe you can't preach. Please, like, it's okay. Maybe God, I think he actually prefers it that way. Maybe you can't sing. Maybe you're like me and you can't sing. People don't want to be around me when I sing, you know? Maybe God prefers it that way because God's given you a gift. He's given you a way you can impact the kingdom. It's not about me. It's about him and his kingdom. Are you okay with being an unknown for the cause of Christ because following Jesus will cost you your pride. It will cost you your pride. I don't think people that care more about themselves than they do about the cause of Christ have an impact for the kingdom. We have to be willing to be an unknown for the cause of Christ. I, I love leading huddle with our champions, the people that, that work in the shadows of this place that God uses on a weekly basis. I love seeing Chapel Kids crew and how God uses them, whether it's check-in or there are people teaching our kids right now God's word. You know what? You probably don't even know their names. They're the ones that are doing a great work for the kingdom. There are people on our parking lot every Sunday. You know, it's fun to be on the parking lot in spring and fall, but when summer gets here and that humidity hits, and winter gets here and it's cold, it's not fun. You know what? They welcome and greet people. They set the culture. They set the tone as soon as people come on to the property of this place for God to move in their heart and lives. It's not about you. It's about him. Following Jesus will cost you your comfort. Miss Suzanne touched on this last week a little bit. It'll cost you your comfort. Joseph was not in a comfortable place in prison. Mary was not in a comfortable place in the room when she broke the box, the alabaster box, at the feet of Jesus. And I believe following Jesus will cost us our, comfortable, our, our comfort. We can be comfortable, listen to this, we can be comfortable, we can be uncomfortable in our circumstances and God still be fully at work. We can be uncomfortable in our circumstances and God still be fully at work. The most uncomfortable of times can be the times that we're molded into the image of Christ the most. We must learn to embrace the uncomfortable to gain, the comfort, to gain comfort from our Lord and from our Savior. God sometimes will place you in situations that are not comfortable, but he wants to use you there for his purpose. Eli and Knox, our, our boys, Lisa and I's boys, they call me the king of awkward, and I've embraced the title. I love it. Yes, I am the king of awkward, and they hate me for it. (laughs) King of the uncomfortable. Can you sit in the uncomfortable and realize God has a plan in that place? This isn't the way I would choose for it to be. The atmosphere is different. It doesn't feel the way I would want it to feel. But God, I trust you here. I think those that are following hard after Jesus 
They don't wish the uncomfortable away, but they embrace the uncomfortable and realize that God has something in that season for them. He will, uh, following Jesus will cost you your comfort. Tim Keller, pillar of the faith, that just recently passed away. Listen to this quote, so good. Any person who, st- who only sticks with Christianity as long as things are going his or her way is a stranger to the cross. Yee. Any person who only sticks with Christianity as long as things are going his or her way is a stranger to the cross. Man, I don't like that, Tim, but you're right. So question when it comes to comfort, are you embracing the uncomfortable seasons of life? Can you embrace them? Because God wants to move in those seasons. It will cost you your comfort following after Jesus. Following Jesus will cause you loss. Man, I told y'all this sermon was fun. (laughs) Following Jesus will cause you loss. You will lose friends. You may lose jobs. You may lose money. You may lose influence. You may lose positions. You may lose titles. Look at the life of Joseph. He lost all those things. Following Jesus will will sometimes, unfortunately, cause you loss. But here's something I've learned about loss. Loss can propel us into seasons we would have never chose on our own. Did you hear that? Loss can propel us into seasons we never would have chosen our own. And I think if the Holy Spirit, I think if the Lord gave us two choices and he put those choices in front of us and one was easy and one was hard, one was staying where we're at and one was losing everything or losing things, we we rarely would probably pick that time of loss. We rarely would choose that loss. But I think those seasons are seasons that are stepping stones that get us exactly to where God wants to be. You look at the life of Joseph. He lost many things. He lost relationship with his family for decades. He lost a position in Potiphar's house. He lost a friend in prison. I mean, to have a friend in prison that he trusted, that he thought would remember him, but then forgot about him for two years. He lost a lot of things. He didn't have money, probably. He didn't have a lot of stuff that we would say are conveniences that we could rely on in our own culture today. He lost a lot of things because of the dream that God had placed and the destiny that God had placed deep in his heart, but that loss propelled him into a season that was a God season for him, but he would have never chose that season for himself. Elizabeth Elliot, I love the story of, of, of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot's husband was a, a martyr for Christ in the, the jungles of Ecuador. I've actually had the privilege of, of being able to to, to be at the house that he and some of the other fellow missionaries built in Ecuador and, and share with some of the tribes in Ecuador. I, I, I love this. This is just for me. This is not for you. But I've met the grandson of the gentleman that speared Jim Elliott. And it was a season of great loss for his wife, Elizabeth, but she talks about the gain of loss. Loss is never something we would choose, but she says this about about loss. What you gain in relationship to the giver far outweighs the loss of the gift. So you need to write that down and chew on it the next week. Because you feel like you've lost a lot recently. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you, you feel like you've lost a whole lot recently, and you've questioned your faith, you've questioned if God was real, you've wondered why this is happening to you, but I think God is saying, just just come here, son, come here, daughter, come here, come here. What you can gain, what you can gain through loss, what you gain in relationship to the giver far outweighs the loss of the gift, and it may not feel like that at first, But let me tell you, we serve a faithful God, and he can turn any situation into good for you and for the kingdom. You just need to realize that loss isn't always bad. God has something for us to gain in the middle of loss. I believe it's deeper relationship with him. 
I heard someone say it this way. I believe it was Jenny Mayo. She said, loneliness is God's cry for intimacy with you. Loneliness is God's cry for intimacy with you. And for some of you in lonely seasons, you run the wrong way. But if you just run to the feet of Jesus and gain that connection with him that you've lost in different times, he will fill you up. Are you willing to accept loss so that you can gain? We have to be willing to accept loss. Joseph, he had it. We will have it. It's not going to be easy, but it is a cost to follow after Jesus. Following Jesus, last one, following Jesus will require us to forgive. Everybody say forgive. One more time, say forgive. Man, that sounds so easy, doesn't it? But how do you know, in practice, that is not easy? Like, it is not easy. It's not always easy to forgive. It's not always easy to let go. It's not always easy to say those words, I forgive you. But I think if, if we're willing to follow and if we desire to follow hard after Jesus, we have to let forgiveness be a central theme of our relationship and our lives and the, the work that God is doing in our hearts. Forgiveness. Some of us, we hold on to things for so long. We don't want to forgive. And you think, you think that you're really doing that other person bad. But in reality, the longer you hold on to unforgiveness, the more you're hurting yourself more than anyone else. And Jesus teaches that we should forgive. You look at the story of Joseph. Joseph was done wrong by his brothers, yet he chose to forgive them. Joseph did not do anything wrong. Joseph was the one that had been done wrong too. But you know what he did? He didn't allow that hurt to rule the rest of his life. He chose to forgive. And if we want to see God move in our lives, if we want to see God move in our relationship with him, if we want to see God and his kingdom be lifted high in our own lives, we've got to choose to live a life of forgiveness because an unforgiven heart, unforgiveness in our heart will keep us from achieving God's will and plan and destiny for our lives. We have to choose to forgive. And there's no other way to say it. I wish I, could, I wish I could have thought of a fun way to say, you have to lose and you have to forgive, but there's no other way to say it. We have to choose to forgive. Jesus taught the master class on forgiveness when he was hanging on the cross, guys. Master class of forgiveness when he was hanging on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. And what does he say? Father, what's the next word? Forgive them. Because they've really done me dirty. This is their fault. No, 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 no. Just, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't understand the scope of this. Please forgive them. Please forgive them. I believe some of us, we're not achieving our maximum Potential. We're not reaching the ceiling, the high ceiling that God has for our lives because we're not choosing to forgive. But if we want to move forward in our faith, forgiveness has to be a central theme of our lives. Jesus forgave. Joseph forgave. We want God to forgive us, and yet we don't many times want to extend that same forgiveness to others. There's so many more different ways I could go in this section, but I'll, I'll keep it short and concise. Uh, Dr. Kendall says this so good. Dr. Kendall says, the most important test, listen to this, the most important test that a person may have to pass before he is ever greatly used of God is to be punished for doing well and then keep quiet about it. Joseph, punished for doing well, kept quiet about it, forgave. God blesses him. Extending forgiveness is a price that many are not willing to pay to follow Christ. And it is a roadblock in their relationship with God. Say it one more time. Let it sink in. Extending forgiveness is a price that many are not willing to pay to follow Christ. And it is a massive roadblock in their relationship with God. Forgiveness develops Christ's character deep within us. Let's look at Genesis 50, 15. The story of Joseph is almost over. He has seen his dream come to pass. And his brothers, rightly so, are a little nervous 
about what Joseph's going to do. Because Joseph is in this high position of power and authority. And it was different back then than it is today. Joseph could have had his brothers killed, and Pharaoh would have been like, yeah, go for it, kill them, no big deal. Wipe them off the face of the earth, fine. So Joseph's brothers understand this and are like, oh, man, we got to figure out a way to make this happen. So, so their father, Jacob, has already passed. And they're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell Joseph that dad said before he passed away that he needed to forgive us. And we're going to let him know that we're going to put this on dad so that he'll forgive us because he'll, he'll do what dad wants him to do. So, so we find this here. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And it doesn't say this in God's word, but I believe Joseph knew what they were up to. Brothers just have a way of knowing that, right? I believe he knew what they were up to, but Joseph wept. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place, for am I, let me find it. His brothers also came and fell down before him, but Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Then he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Forgiveness. Powerful. He didn't say, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you and the next generation. I'll make sure, you guys, you'll know how much Joseph, Joseph took care of every, everything. Even after he passed away, he made sure that, that, that his brothers and his brothers' families were taken care of. He, he forgave them. So final question this morning, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? We all need to, to forgive some folks in our life. Who do you need to forgive? Some may be easier than others, but forgiveness needs to be a central theme of our lives as Christ followers. Maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that, that did something to you and you did nothing wrong and you need to extend forgiveness to them. I, I love the scripture in Mark 8. I'm going to read it one more time. Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I'm just going to read this last little bit here. It's not always unicorns and roses and amazing times following Jesus. Those days are certainly there and they are great. But following Jesus many days is hard and difficult. We have to put our own desires to the side to walk in his footsteps. Many days following Jesus is not only the best decision you will make, but will also be the hardest decision you will make. Why? Because many times we want what we want more than we want what he wants. There are, no short, there are no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. And until we see him face to face, until we've completely finished our race, he's not finished yet. There's still work to be done. May God help each one of us to do what we can, just like Mary, to do what we can. Life will soon be over. <laughs> it is short at the longest. Amen, anybody in the room? The older I get, the more I realize that. Life will soon be over. It is short at the longest. So let us rise and follow in the footsteps of those like Mary of Bethany, the great saints that have gone before us, many of whom we will never know their names until we meet them in heaven. Maybe not just be fans of Jesus, but followers of Jesus. And some of you, you're struggling with the cost to follow Jesus. Some of you are struggling with the cost of what it what it's going to take to follow hard at the Lord. Go ahead and stand your feet with me. We're almost finished, all right? Some of you are struggling. Go ahead. You can stand up. Go ahead, guys. Some of you are struggling with, man, I know what God wants me to do, but I know where I'm at right now, and I know what's happening right now, and I know 
what this is going to cost. And you're asking the question, you know, is it worth the cost? Is the cost worth the reward? Some of you are you're struggling with the assignment of the Lord on your life, and you're wondering if it's worth the cost. But I believe this. When we're able to look Jesus in the eyes, we will all realize that the price, that what we received was worth so much more than what we paid. One day, man, it's going to be a great day. One day we're going to see Jesus face to face. We're going to look him in the eyes and we're going to realize that the price we paid was so much less than what we should have paid for the prize of being in his presence. This morning, I just want you to know you're not alone. There's a community of people right here in this house that are cheering you on, that are here to encourage you. There's a community of people that care about you, and we want to see God be glorified and lifted high in your life. And we understand it's not easy. There's a price to be paid. I believe there's a remnant that are still willing to pay the price to follow Jesus. Amen? I believe there's a remnant that are still willing to pay the price to follow Jesus. You say, I want to be a part of that remnant. I want to be a part of that remnant that's still willing to pay the price to follow hard after Jesus. If that's you, well, just raise your hand real high. I want to be a part of that remnant that would be willing to pay the price to follow Jesus. I want to be a part of that remnant. Father, you see the people in this room this morning. You see, God, where we are, God, in our faith. Many of us in different seasons. But God, we are willing. We are willing pay the price, to count the cost, to follow after you. Because I believe it is the people that are willing to pay the price in our current culture that will bring a wave of revival into this nation and into our world that we so desperately need. God, a people that look back to you and not look far from you, but look back to you and return to you. God, use us as we say we are willing to pay the price, to count the cost, to follow hard hard after you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in the room and you need Jesus this morning, you just want to surrender your heart and your life to him, would, would you just, just raise your hand real quick? So that's me. I need Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him. Anybody in the room today? Best decision you'll ever make. See a few people. Do me a favor. Stop my connection point on your way out. We have some champions that would love to resource you and help you. We've got a Bible back there and some great resources that follow hard after him. This morning I've, I've asked Nisi to sing that song one last time and we're not going to draw this out. We're going to sing that verse and chorus of that last song. Um, there's a line that I love. I think it's some say it's too expensive, but I say it's not enough. And what's the next line? How could I give too much? Let's sing this together. And as she gets ready to sing, I want to ask our prayer partners to come down. Uh, if you have need of anything this morning, would you just find a prayer partner in the altar? So prayer partners, go ahead and move now. Come on down. And let's uh, be willing to pray for folks this morning. If you have need of anything as they're singing this song, you come up, ask for prayer. We'd love to pray with you this morning and just agree with you in prayer. Let's sing this song in closing together.